Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to London. No, welcome back to the Portugal podcast. My name is Michael Bath. It is Friday's episode. Steve's here. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How are you going? You're very soft. I can hardly hear you. Where are you? I said, hello, mate. How are you going? <laughs> Your levels hello. Are hello. <laughs> Steve's here. Um, welcome back, everyone. Uh, if you haven't been here before, welcome. And like I said, if you've been here before, welcome back. This is the Portugal podcast. Um, we'll try to keep it together today. Um, sort which, of. Sort of. We're recording this Tuesday night. You guys know that already. Tuesday night in London. Wednesday. I'm Wednesday trying to work out what Sydney. day it is in Sydney, mate. Wednesday morning in Sydney. My kids are yet to go off, but they will show up. And Steve's children are very quiet today. Um, for you, for those of you who are missing Don't the sounds us, of mate. the children in the background, they'll be here shortly. Don't worry. Don't jinx us. Um, so let's start with the usual. I want to just uh, do a couple of shouts, shout outs as I usually do, Steve. Uh, we've got a mm -hmm. new member. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Porsche Cool is on Patreon. And Patreon is the place where you can go and sponsor a child. No, you can sponsor Porsche Cooled. You can you can <laughs> join child? you can join Porsche Cooled. Uh, you can support the podcast. You can pay a little bit each week. It's up to you, two dollars to ten dollars, and it just helps keep us talking. Um, as you know, this podcast is not sponsored by anyone, um, primarily because no one's approached us. Uh, so that's probably the reason why. <laughs> there um, is I, that. I don't know why, because Steve's you know Steve's the advertising man, and he hasn't got us any sponsors. So I'm not sure what what what's happening there, Steve. Why why um, haven't you got us? I'm any in sponsors? creative, not sales, mate. <laughs> I, I have no idea how that works. I know you're in creative. That's why I just wanted you to say because I know how much you like suits, as you called them. Yeah. What about a um? <laughs> like how how awful would that be to have a sales job in advertising? Really? I thought that was oh. a very very lucrative position. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, it probably goes all right if you're a particular type of personality, but that certainly is just not my cup of tea. <laughs> I have no idea how you... But is that a really hard job these days? I mean, going back oh, 10 yeah. years when you New were business, in your peak of advertising, it must be a hard job now, right? Terrible job, yeah. yeah. Worst, job in the, worst job in an agency is kind of being in charge of your business and trying to kind of drum up you know, sort of things out of nowhere and stuff like that. Be awful. Keeping the client happy. Not easy. Yeah. Not easy. Um, I always yeah. like to be one step away from the client. Lately, I'm not really one step away. Well, I actually am one step away on this one, on this project. Mm -hmm. The last two projects, I wasn't one step away. I had direct client-to-client -client <laughs> interaction in various countries in the Middle East, which uh, wasn't always fun. Yeah, look, from a creative point of view, like that's actually because I'm working for myself now, um, I've discovered that clients actually prefer it. They prefer to talk to the person that's doing the work um, because it's much quicker and clearer and all of that sort of stuff. And they know like with my sort of superb personality that they're not going to get like the all singing, all dancing kind of thing, but they actually appreciate that they'll just get a straight answer instead, which yeah, is kind of interesting. Yeah, well, it, it saves time, doesn't it? It doesn't go through yeah. all the multiple channels and then gets lost in translation, lost. which it always does. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. it takes a long time to sort out. I mean, you know, the, we know those situations, they always happen. Um, yep. Let me go back to, to the Patreon, Steve. So we've got one new member of Patreon. Uh, I want to mm -hmm. say a big hello to Nick, Steve. Nick has joined Porsche Cooled this week, a couple of days ago, I think. I'm not sure. Go, Nick. Go, Nick. I'm not sure if Nick has a Porsche. Uh, he hasn't mentioned it. Um, I, I hope, Nick, you haven't reached out to me before and I just don't remember who you are. My memory lately has been terrible, Steve. 
Um, mm. Let me just finish this. So that's that's uh, Nick, who's joined Porsche Cooled on Patreon. Like I said, if you want to join Porsche Cooled, you just go to Porsche. Why do I always say that? Patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled or just search uh, Porsche Cooled on Patreon and it'll come up straight away. Um, cool. What was I going to say? My memory is really, really bad. You know what? This week's owner stories, I've got Daniel uh, from Brisbane. Mm. Uh, Daniel has a 944. Uh, and he's got a good story. He's got a 944 in Garnet Red. And I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, I haven't had anyone on with a 944. But, you know, mm. I, ha- I think I have had people on with 944s. I know I've had people on who have owned 944s and 924s before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, James at Porsche Platz. Um, <laughs> you know, here I am going. I I'm, I'm brought this up and I can't even remember. But there has been a few people. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've done... I, I'm pretty good at remembering everyone, but at the moment, and I think Until it's because now. I've got a lot on my mind, mate, that everything's becoming a bit muddled. So, like, I'm trying to think of who is who in the owner's stories, and not necessarily names. It's like, mm-hmm. who owned what? And it's sort of like, it's all sort of merging into one a little bit now, so I'm getting a little bit confused. So, I apologize to uh, <clears throat> when I say those things on, on owner's stories and I forget about the other people who have been on um, previous episodes. It's time to retire, mate. Time to retire, yeah. Maybe mm. we should put that as a, as, a, as a survey. Who wants us to retire? Do you know? <laughs> it. Is it time to wind down Porsche Cooled, Porsche cooled or is it time to keep going? Yeah. Um, okay, so retire, Steve. Um, so Daniel's on this week's uh, Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. Daniel's, like I said, he's got a 1985 model year uh, 944, Garnet Red. It's got BBS wheels. I'm pretty sure it's BBS. Um mm-hmm. Enjoyed chatting with Daniel. Uh, he's bought a car. You know, Steve, I know you haven't listened to it, but he, uh, he owns a Ducati uh, Monster. He wanted mm-hmm. a car that wasn't necessarily blistering fast. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted, he did have his headset on getting something from the 70s, of eight, 70s and 80s, from his like childhood yep. memories and, and things that were around his house. Um, and he pretty much did want, um, and I know Daniel, you're listening, I'm, he pretty much did want a 944. Um, and he found a 944 from our favorite Porsche suburb, Steve, in Melbourne. Brighton. Brighton. That's right. <laughs> there's so many it. Porsches in Brighton. <laughs> no. He found so this weird. 9- But Daniel's 944, and I know I'm going to get yeah. this wrong, I think it's had like four or five owners. It's a 1985, yep. and it's only had four or five owners, which is right. it's quite remarkable for a car that old. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not a pristine. Yeah, I guess so. yeah. It's mechanically, he had a PPI done on it before he bought it um the engine and that was fine i think that you know there's cosmetic things and little things like that but the engine was fine mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i think he says on the podcast how much he paid for it i won't say it now just in case he didn't i can't remember but he didn't pay that much for it but it wasn't mm-hmm. about making money it was just about getting something that like i said it wasn't just about performance it was about the experience it's his first porsche um you know he sold an alpha to get it he had had it, an older alpha which he sold to get it um mm-hmm. And I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, you see the photos on the Instagram I posted today because um, it's mm-hmm. Tuesday. It just went up live today. Um, and it looks good. You know, it's not, a, it's not an S. It's not a turbo. It's just a 944, but it's manual. Mm-hmm. I think it suits that color. I think it looks good in the garnet red. I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another 944 owner actually coming up as well in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> so that should be good. Um, so make sure you check out Daniel's uh, story. 
He doesn't have an Instagram. Um, I said that I would put his email. He said to put his email in the description. I'll put his email in the description of the YouTube video. It's just easier. So if you go to YouTube, you can see Daniel's um, email there if you want to reach out and ask him anything about his 944. Cool. Steve. I'll send him some pictures of my knob. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do that now? So, Steve, uh, <laughs> let's send him some pic- send no. him some knob pictures. <laughs> I want to just tell everyone, everyone knows that we've been talking about Steve's knobs for a while, his wooden knobs <laughs> that he's buying. I mean, you know, <sighs> yep. Steve's got a lot of money to, to spare. So he's bought yeah, how many? Tons. You bought a few from Carbone. You bought, what, three from Carbone? Two? No, two. Two from Carbone? Well, two from Carbone. Technically one f- no, technically one from Carbone, one from Joel... 911 Outlaw, the guy that actually um, makes them. Yeah. And they're nice. So he's got the black shaft one and he's got the silver shaft one. Um, mm-hmm. That full on ebony, the dark ebony wood. I like, quite like that one actually. The, yeah, I do too. Except I showed Natasha and she likes the two tone one, the oak. Oak and smoked oak, isn't it? Smoked oak. Yep. So they're really good. If you want to get, if you want to upgrade the shifter in your car, you want to upgrade the knob. Carbon has one. Um, Joel, what's Joel's last name? I always forget. Kernesenko. Kernesenko. Joel Kernesenko is the guy that makes Go them. Go to 911outlaw.com. 911outlaw.com. He makes them. Or actually, or Carbone. Like Carbone, I think, still have a 15% off um, sale on um, the, the, the shifters at the moment. So Yeah, Go so I will post the link... If people haven't seen it, the Lathworks limp link, uh, I won't mm-hmm. put it on my Instagram, but I'll post a link of that, of the one that Steve sent me, and one of them's your knob, Steve, right? One of the ones is yours, and that latest Instagram yeah, the post. Yeah, one on the right. I'll po- yeah, the yep. one on the right. I'll post that post on the Discord. Um, if you don't know what Discord is, that's just like a community group there. I haven't been there Hold this on. week. Yep. I haven't been there this week, sorry, and I've seen, uh, I've seen you guys have been chatting. A few people have been chatting on there. Other people have been joining. Um, it's starting to gain momentum. Um, oh, so we, okay. yeah, it's starting to get momentum. So if you, if you have a chance, Steve, just go there and say hello or post something and chat to the mm. guys that are online. If you feel like it, um, I haven't been pictures there this week at knob. all. Hmm? Pictures of my knob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it comes, like I was going to post that Instagram post you sent me today. I just didn't get around mm-hmm. to it. And I thought the guys would be interested in seeing that. It's, yeah, okay. it's a really, you know, like Steve sent it to me and I have to say to you guys, like I, I didn't want one. And then I saw... Yes, you did. No, then I saw... I wanted the black one, the black, you know, polymer, polymer or whatever it's called. Oh, polymer one. Yep. And this yep. is Lathworks. This is the Lathworks company that you guys... I know some people have already ordered one from Lathworks. But yep. Steve got the wood version, didn't you, Steve? Tell them about the wood version. I'm not quite sure what as, it was. As well. So, like, my original order was for the black copolymer thing. You started it because you sent me the link um, from Renlist. Um Blah, blah, blah. So I ordered that and somewhere somewhere along the line, look, to be honest, um, he has been slow. So if you do go and order something, it's not as quick as it states on the um, thing because he's obviously just kind of smashed with orders, um, but hopefully it's all worth it. Um, so whilst I was waiting, I noticed he posted an Instagram post and he also kind of um, lathes up um, some exotic wood um, kind of knobs on there and like all of this is custom he literally kind of lathes it up himself so he's kind of old school craftsman so I reached out to him and just sort of said oh, I saw you did kind of wooden things like how hard would it be to kind of add that to the order and he said yeah you know what do you want here's three different here's three different types of um, timber that he recommended I suppose he had them in stock and they're pretty I think they're sort of a little bit kind of rarer they're not your standard oak type thing I kind of remember what I got how much were they? 
it's another hundred bucks to get the extra um, knob on top of it. I think what's really nice about them is the shape. When you see the shape and you see the the one Steve's got has got this beautiful, beautiful grain, like this circular grain or something on one side, hasn't it? It's very yeah. um, it's really, really special wood. Like if you like looking at you know crafts, you know really beautiful work. This is just beautiful. Yep. The wood, you know, the quality. I mean, he's done a really, really good job. Um, a really, Go and look really at some. I find it actually interesting because I had no idea about all this stuff. But if you follow Lathe Works, is it Lathe Works or WC Lathe Works? I think it might be. I think it's on, WC. Um, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he posts. He just posts like you know when he's making stuff, and it's just like oh wow, it's mesmerizing to kind of see you know something spinning on on the machine, and then he kind of puts his little knife thing in there, and then all of a sudden he's kind of carving yeah. and working up these kind of pieces. So everything's kind of hand done, um, and he works in titanium and stainless and copolymer and this wood so anyway so he reached he he sent me an email during the week and just sort of said hey um it'll be in the mail in a sec um and then i kind of connected it because i noticed that on insta he kind of posted like um some porsche things so it's like oh yeah it's mine um it's pretty cool. cool so i sent it to michael and it looks looks pretty good to me but i'm a little bit unsure i wasn't following him oh you weren't okay no um, just to kind of round out the story, I shortened it. So when I looked at what he kind of did as a standard thing, um, I changed the spec and shortened it by an inch because it looked too tall. I went I went and measured up my carbone one, my sort of standard one, blah, 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 figured that I um, visually it looked too tall to me, so I shortened it by an inch. Yeah. Now that I've seen that picture, I suspect it's I may have shortened it a bit too much. Yeah, I thought you did the right thing because I mm-hmm. thought the one from Stuttgart Classic, as we said before, was a bit long mm-hmm. and this one seemed to be about the same length and I thought you did mm-hmm. the right thing. But in the image, it looks, it does look a little short. It looks a bit stubby. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks a bit stubby. It may not be though, Steve, once you put it in there, maybe it's okay. Well, the thing is that um, on the circular knob block that's just the round ball, the copolymer one, there's a collar which is sort of like an extra bit of rod underneath it. So yeah. when you put the two things together and I'm going to um, have the the rod itself powder-coated black, so when the whole thing is black, it might not look short, but I suspect that I may have shortened it just a, a touch too much. Did I mention this is a new segment? This is, is this part of the new segment? Is this part of a recommendation from Michael and Steve? I didn't even mention that, did mm, I? It could be. Is this yeah, that let's part? just make it. Yeah, let's yeah, just make that. I mean, so this is a this is a thing we're going to do every episode now, um, and it's a. I haven't really got a good. It's name a stolen for it. idea. It's, no, it's not a stolen. Don't say things like that. Um, Why not? It's not. We're retiring. We're calling it a recommendation from Michael and Steve, or Steve and Michael, whatever sounds better. Right. New segment. We'll call it a new segment. It's not a comedy segment. Mm-hmm. We're not a comedy show here. We're not very funny. Um, no. So. Steve's mentioned it before, but you would say that that is definitely a strong recommendation for the listeners, right, Steve? I think so. I mean, I haven't gotten it yet, but um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be kind of pretty good. So, well, there's a couple. There's the um, the 911 Outlaw one um, through Carbone is definitely a recommendation. I would highly recommend that. It's a really good product and um, absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm just an idiot in terms of having a go at this one as well. But um, Lathe Works, I think, also... Um, is really good. Yeah, I think they're both good. I think they're both. I think they're the picks. You know what I mean? I agree. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to work out. I'm still trying to work out which one, what I want. Because at first, at, the other day, I was thinking, well, I want, 
I actually wouldn't mind, you know, here I'm going crazy like you. I wouldn't mind the carbone one because I yep. like the two oaks together. And yep. I thought, mm, maybe I should just get that. And I don't mind the silver yep. rod in my car. I think the silver rod's okay in my car, right? Uh, it'll I think they, suit your car, yeah. Yeah, I think they offer black now on carbon, though. I think they started offering yes, they black, do. haven't they? But yes, then I thought, do. then I saw your, then I liked the, you know, the lathe works with the black copolymer, and I thought that's the one I wanted. Uh-huh. So then I went off the wood. And then the other yep. day I was thinking, oh, maybe I could get the wood, the copolymer and the wood one, you know, not at the same time. Be exactly. crazy like you, have to. And then you show me your wood one. I'm thinking, shit, which wood one is better? Is the carbon one better or is that one better? No, um, well, if you're going to do it, different, just They're both. different shapes. That's the whole thing. I can't have three. That's insane. I've got no money. Uh, well, look, I've, uh, hello to Marco, who's hopefully kind of listening again. But um, Marco's, now, <laughs> Marco's now hooked because I think Marco was sending me pics because he was thinking about the function first. Um, oh, product, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I've seen online uh, sort of a fair bit. Um, I said this to Marco too, like it's not my quite my cup of tea because it looks a little bit chunky in its proportions. Um, yeah. And I actually think the Lathworks one might be too. But um, So Marco was pretty much ready to, um, I think, maybe order um, a function first one. But then... I think he said that he discovered that um, they're so um, they've got they're so busy that um, they won't take new orders as well. And then I sent him that same post, and he's now interested in lathworks. Really, he's not interested. Yes, he is interested oh, in lathworks now. Function first is very forum hyped to me. It seems very forum hyped. I don't know. Maybe it's good quality, but it seems like you know. Everyone on the forums mm. talk about it, so therefore people just want it because it's spoken about more than anything else. Yeah, it's hard not to get tempted when you read the forum stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, they, I'm mm. pretty sure that when they, when I heard of them first, they became a Renalist sponsor. Um, oh, right. I can't remember if it was 997 or the GT3 kind of forums, but they sponsored it. So then every, you know, like pretty much every day they were kind of posting and sort of sharing their wares. Like, I think yep. they started with... Um, like short shift kits, they were adapting, yeah, like yeah, changing the, the plastic bushings out for metal ones. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's Steve's recommendation. I've got a recommendation. Um, okay. Being, uh, as I said, along, you know, many episodes, I'm not buying any more books because I don't want to take them back to Australia. Well, I just bought another book. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's not a Porsche book, though. And as I said on my post today, don't hate me, um, because I bought a Ferrari mm. book. I bought a Ferrari book, Steve, a V8, uh, V8 Ferrari book. Um, mm-hmm. I do like the V8 Ferraris, and I do like the 80s V8, late 70s V8s, uh, 70s and 80s V8 Ferraris. Um, yeah, cool. And you know I'm very keen on the 328 GTS. I really appreciate it, but I've, I've mm-hmm. really got a hankering for that Dino GT4. Um, the really good mm-hmm. one in Sydney sold, and I'm keen on them big time. You know I'm a very big fan of uh, David in New Zealand's uh, yellow one. Uh, and Paul mm-hmm. in New Zealand's 328 GTS, but David's yellow one is very, very cool. I know, David, you're listening. Um, you know, that car is a, is a really nice one. I love that yellow, that giallo yellow, whatever it's called. I can't remember the name, but that yellow is beautiful. Is so anyway, yeah. what's yeah. it called? Was it fly yellow? Maybe. It's a oh, nice one, though. The yellow is really yeah. nice. I like the yellow better than the red. Um, so anyway, there's, a, there's been this, there's, you, know, there's, uh, you know, you go to certain places for car books, if you're looking for really good car books, I would search on Amazon, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. This book came up on Amazon. In fact, I had it in my cart, and I've had it in my cart for a year. Um, mm-hmm. And 
It was available at various sellers. It's out of print. It's an 80s book. I think it went out of print in the 80s. Like, it, it really is an 80s book. It's not a new book. Right. It's a used book. Uh, it's immaculate. It's immaculate. The guy's are, he's in the UK. Uh, it came in a day. Uh, it's David Thomas Motoring Books. Some of you in the UK might have heard of this um, website. Uh, the, the web address is allautobooks.com, Steve. Allautobooks.com. Mm-hmm. And it's David Thomas cool. Motoring Books. I think his story is he retired and then he started buying all these books and now he sells them. He's got Porsche books. He's got magazines, some magazines. He's got Ferrari books. Um, yeah. You know, he's got every every mark, basically. He's got so many books. It's yeah, a cool. really good site. Like I said, I... I almost he, I think he had this book on Amazon. I think on Amazon it was more expensive and I bought it directly from his site um, mm-hmm. and I paid nothing in shipping, shipping because I'm in the UK so it was only like four pounds or something shipping. <clears throat> but I would recommend it if you're looking for car books and you just want to look for classic books, have a look at it, especially ones that are out of print, ones from the 80s, ones from, ones from the 70s, etc. Um, he seems to have, he's got heaps, he's got a really good collection. So that's my recommendation, Steve. Cool, more books. More books. That's it. I'm not buying any more. That's it. Um, I just want to read out two uh, Apple ratings and reviews. If you want to uh, give the podcast a review, give it a star rating. It really does help us uh, get seen in the in the port in the Apple podcast charts. I think this week, uh-huh. Steve, I looked at one stage. I think we were 38 in the US at one point. There, 38. Wow. I think that's, cool. was it 35? It was pretty high. And, and this is due to the fact that a lot of people have left us reviews. Like I said, I think we're up to about 120 reviews or something like that on the podcast in total, globally. Yeah. Uh, had yeah. a couple of reviews this week. Uh, great content. I'm not going to read them out. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Great content is the title. And that was from AV in Sydney. Thank you, AV. And great podcast for a new Porsche owner. And that was from Jerry Darkid in the US. So thank you guys for those two reviews and ratings. Much appreciated. Cool. Steve, what else? What else? Mm, hey, what about that car? Else? What do you think of that, Daniel? For you, for, I just tell Daniel the listeners. I don't, yeah, Daniel Arsham is an artist, a designer. I mean, he's got a very cool house um, and he does lots mm. of collaborations with fashion brands. And he's, you know, the Porsche one I saw actually in um, Selfridges in London, the concrete okay. type one, the water. Was it any whatever. good? Yeah, it looked pretty cool. It looked cool. That, um, is that his signature thing? I don't really know that much about him. Yeah, like I think sort of sculptural things where it looks like it's made out of concrete and then there's sort of little bits that have um, kind of come away from it. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I saw people like uh, a few people on Instagram actually, he got sent them a small version of that. They had a small version of that. It came out with the Type 7 book. The Type 7 book, some mm-hmm. people got like a edition, that Type 7 book and then a model of that the car because he did the cover on the new type 7 book the one i just bought yep. recently the second version um okay. what do you think of it i mean I don't, know, I don't know if the listeners have seen it yet but it's a 73 porsche what do they call it 73 mm-hmm. porsche rsa project he's called an rsa yeah yeah rsa uh he did the crystal eroda porsche which we were just talking about he's done a yep. they say 1986 porsche 938 turbo i'm not sure which one that is um and this That's one the white one isn't it Oh, is that the white one? Yep. And this one is a 1973, I'm just reading this just so everyone knows, 1973 Porsche RSA, Ashram Studios, track-ready chassis. It's a track-ready car. It didn't look track-ready. Features the iconic 2.7-litre flat six. What else does it have, Steve? I don't like the livery on the side, though. The stripes on the side were a bit weird to me. Yeah, it's yellow on yellow. 
And I normally like a yellow car, but it's um, it's obviously super kind of retro, very 70s looking thing. Um, I didn't read too much about it, sort of had a quick squeeze at the aesthetics of it more than anything. Um, yeah. And the, um, the interior is sort of like got sort of... It's brown, isn't that it? That seems to be quite fashionable at the moment. Yeah, sort of like a brownie, tanny, sort of patinaed type um, leather. Well, I I took the spiel off DuPont Registry's um, website. This is where I got it from. Okay. This is where I saw yep. it. I'm, I'm sure it's in a lot of places. And it just says the 70s-inspired design features a gloss yellow paint job with pale yellow yep. bumpers to commemorate the RSR race cars from that era, complementing yep. the yellow paint, paint a light blue accents throughout the exterior of the Porsche RSA, including the custom Arsham decals and wheels. I don't know what the custom yep. Arsham decals and wheels are. And the interior is done oh, in wide this... whale chocolate brown. Yeah, it's more he's um, he's ripped off the old school um, cursive Carrera type and put Arsham on there. Oh, really? That's all that is. Yeah. But, you know, Probably. it's his third Porsche project. This is the third car he's done. So he's obviously yeah. got some relationship with Porsche, right? He's obviously got some relationship with them. Um, I don't like it. I don't like, uh, I don't like it because he's got his... Ted Kishu and the Type 7 crowd because, you know, it's all sort of designy and arty kind of stuff. Yeah, but I don't like it. It's got his name down the side on the, on the script. Where you normally have Porsche on the bottom of the doors, he's got Asham. I don't think it looks right. I don't know. I just don't like how it looks. Mm, maybe you should do that. Maybe you should put Bath down the side of your yeah, car. Yeah, that'd be funny. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Michael. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Hey, what happened to your battery? Tell the listeners about your battery and why it was so expensive. Uh, I got it replaced. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, to be perfectly honest, I kind of just rolled up, um, had a chat to the guys. It took them an hour to... Um, to replace it. So they previously put a Vata battery in the GT3, um, which lasted more than six years. I went back and looked at the invoices. So even if this, even if that one was sort of semi-okay, I just sort of thought, oh, you know what, like I'm just better off changing it because there's nothing, nothing worse than having an unreliable car, a car that you sort of suspect may not start here and there. So Waterhouse swapped it out. They actually put... I assumed that they would put the exact same model of Vata battery in, but they didn't. It was a, like I had a look at it later and it's, I think it's an upgraded spec. I, I, I didn't ask. I'm not sure if that's because that's all they had in stock or whether or not this is like the new recommendation or whatever else. But this battery, I believe, um, is suitable for stop-start cars, which means it must be um, a different type of kind of thing. I know it's the same amperage. Um, can I interrupt? Why would you need a stop-start battery in your car? I, I suspect I don't. Did you ask that question? I didn't because um, I didn't ask anything about it until I got home and all that sort of stuff. So it turned out to be a little bit more expensive. I won't say exactly how much, but it did turn out to be more expensive than I was actually anticipating, um, and that obviously is the reason why. The reason why is because... They put a different spec battery in it and also because, unfortunately for me, um, I've got a Techart nose lift kit installed in my car and it's butted right up against the battery and it's a very temperamental kind of thing. So I was, in a normal world, I possibly may have even had a go at um, replacing it myself, but I didn't want to mess with the, um, the nose lift stuff. So it did actually take the guys an hour. I was standing there as they were kind of doing it. It did actually take them an hour to, so to do the um, replacement. Is that where they always put the Techart lift kit near the battery? 
Um, yeah, I had a quick look at that too, and yes, um, some somebody, some other people had sort of said the same thing. So, what is the Techart lift kit that goes next to the battery? Is it a box? What is it actually? Yeah, well, it's the ECU that kind of is the brains of the whole thing, and that's actually connected directly to the battery. Like I've noticed that it's literally kind of wired up to the um, the positive and the negative posts on the, so the it's battery an itself. ECU that talks to your shocks. Um, well, yeah, that'll be the thing that's connected to the button on the inside of the, um, uh, in, inside the interior too. So when you press the button, that's the thing that kind of activates everything. It's... But you said a while ago, right, the tech art isn't the latest technology now, is it? You can actually get better technology, is that correct, with KW and things like that? Mm, not sure. I, I'm not, I, I couldn't talk about it with any sort of proper kind of knowledge. Um, but in, I know in, that the the factory, oh, the factory the factory nose lift kit in nine nine seven is supposed to be desperately unreliable and craps out all the time. Like people had them replaced under warranty. The cars are obviously no longer under warranty, and when you kind of follow some Renault stuff, people kind of go, "Don't go for a car with nose lift because yeah, it, yeah. it won't work." Um, yeah. uh, so I do remember that this tech art thing, which I had installed like six years ago, was. Um, granted, Auto House sort of said to me it's a well-made bit of kit and it, it's good. Um, I can't remember if it's – I don't think it's – it's hydraulic, is it? Yeah, I think it's hydraulic. Is it? So when they – so did they have to recalibrate – so you're saying it was very temperamental and they have to get and do the battery, so that's why you had to take it to Auto House. You couldn't just switch the battery out yourself. Do well, because to... I didn't want to fiddle. I didn't want to accidentally kind of bump a connection or not put something back in the spot that it kind of came with and then have my lift kit not work anymore uh, right so they just have to test it afterwards because it's connected directly to the battery so they have to make sure the connection connection is correct ah uh, just even the placement of it was butted right up so like i think if i was going to try to pull the battery out i would have had to kind of try to half remove that um module and i didn't want to go anywhere near it basically uh, right. like if so if this was changing a battery in your car where you don't have that like i would kind of go yeah i'm pretty sure that you could probably have a crack at swapping it out yourself um well, I don't. I, I remember the last cost they gave me. We're not going to talk about costs here, but um, the cost that yep. they told me for my battery, which was a Vata, which is the correct one installed, yep. was half the price you paid. Yeah. Um, so that's I'm guessing because you've got a better battery and also the labour. I'm not saying it's too expensive. I'm just saying that's the reason why, right? It's a better. It's a yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I th look. I thought the same thing when I kind of walked away, but then I kind of realised why. Um, because when I looked at my old build, it was half the price um, yeah, as well. Yeah. It was more in line with what. It's just more that, like, to be fair, if you go and change a battery at a dealership, which I've done once because uh, I got stranded, um, they charge you all these crazy fees, like, you know, to charge the battery up and to do all this kind of stuff. And it wound up being, like, ridiculous on my 993. Um, wow. So, but to be, f to be fair, I do know that, um, like, it, it might not be as simple as, hey, unbolt your battery, rebolt the new one in, um, because I think if you change the spec of the battery, then they have to kind of plug in their POS system and recode, um, you know, like re recode everything and all of that sort of stuff. Admittedly, that doesn't take an hour to do, which is what I think like um, a dealership will charge you, but I don't it might not necessarily kind of be as easy as kind of unbolting and rebolting. Yeah, you lose certain memory functions you put into the PCM, don't you, I think, when you change your battery. I think certain things are lost 
Oh, you don't you might have to reset things. Yeah, yeah, certain things are lost. I think I remember reading that or oh, someone told me that. Um, did you listen to that? I listened to that Spike's Car Radio. Yeah. I didn't think it was a very good episode, but I listened to that Spike's Car Radio with uh, Farah when they're talking about the GT3 Touring. Did you listen to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did. So basically they're saying that is the case, that the GT3 Touring is mm. drives exactly the same as the GT3 with the wing. There's no difference. Yeah, because it's the same car mechanically. It's just less downforce because there's no rear wing. But are you going to pick that if you're not on track? Yeah. Well, Farrah said, Matt Farrah said it drives uh, exactly the same. Yeah. I think he was making fun of it, wasn't he? Because of the fact that why was there an embargo about we couldn't talk about this when it's exactly the same as yeah. the car that we've already spoken about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, you're right. Um, yeah, I noticed Chris Harris posted on Instagram. Um, he's obviously got his hands on, like, for whatever reason, Porsche globally seemed to release the press car as um, gentian blue with the neodyne, the gold wheels, right? I like gentian so, blue, genetian blue. Yeah. Um, so Chris Harris posted a picture of it and he's obviously had quite a few days and I noticed his comment was he really quite likes it and it's tempting. Um, like, So it sounds like for somebody like him, he can actually kind of pick the difference between his car, which is the 901.2 Touring, to a you know, what, what transmission did he say he liked? Because I remember I was listening to <coughs> Spike and Matt talk about it, and he mm. said, I think, was it Spike or Zuckerman was saying that they'd get the PDK? Yeah, They liked the they idea did. of the PDK, not the manual. Yeah, um, I think they did say that. Um, Chris Harris didn't say anything. It was only a very short Instagram post, um, but he's obviously his his signal yellow on his manual, and the one that he's um, the press car that he's got the nine nine two is also manual. I wonder if he will upgrade from his nine nine one point two. See, like he because he's always sort of said that he'll just kind of drive that thing into the ground. Like that's that's his second one though because he crashed his first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it just. The implication of it was that he said that the 992 is better than the 991.2 and that he quite fancied one, which means, like, I guess if you're Chris Harris, then if anyone can access one, he can. I do. I mean, I've seen a lot more photos, and I'm sure all of us have. And I know we've spoken spoken about the touring, you know, over the last few weeks, but I've seen a lot more images on Instagram. I really do like the painted front more than the GT3, Steve, how it doesn't have the black plastic. And I like yep. the not, and I do like, and I know a lot of people have said this. I like how the nostrils are like more color coded. It seems more blended. The, yep. the nostrils are slightly different, aren't they? Um, yeah. It really is nice. And I saw the interior, you know, some of the interior uh, footage of it on on YouTube. It really yeah. is a beautiful car. Um, actually, NL whatever he's called, NL Autosport, I think the guy's called. He took one on for YouTube? a driver. It might have been the GT3, actually, not the Touring. Um, right. And you see inside at night, and you see the dials, and it's like. It sounds pretty pretty amazing. It really does sound pretty amazing. Yeah, it sound it does sound good. Like all the YouTube videos that I've heard, I watched. Um, what's that dude? Luke Cars with Luke, the oh, yeah. guy in Switzerland. Yeah, has he got one? Um, he got his hands on the not the touring, just a standard one, the winged one. Um, and his videos are always like really good quality. He sort of crafts his spends a lot of time in the crafting of his videos, and it sounds even with the particulate filters and everything, it does sound really good. Yeah, I think they've done a good job. I mean, I like the, you know, yeah. how can you not like it? You've got to like it. It looks it looks perfect. Yep. Um, Great. Let's, what else? Anything else? Oh, what about that um, um, that charger? We're a bit all over the place again today. That charger. Yeah, that- uh, 
One thing it did make me think of when, um, sorry, with replacing my battery, with, well, there's two things. Like one is that there's a, I've got the same trickle charger thing that you've kind of currently got on your car, which is a really good idea. Yeah, the SeaTac, which is um, the. In, mm. There's a Porsche branded one called a Charger Mat, I think they've called it, which is really old. And um, then you can get the SeaTac version, which just doesn't have a logo on it. Um, I so when I discovered that I'd flattened my battery, I tried to s- stick it on the trickle and tried to kind of get it, uh, tried to revive it, didn't work, blah blah blah. One of those things generally you plug into the wall and you can either hook it up to your battery or you can um, use the cigarette lighter attachment um, to trickle charge your battery, as you know. Um, but it made me realize that SeaTech have a new product called a SeaTech CS Free. And um, it doesn't require being plugged into a wall, which is pretty handy like when you're in a apart- apartment block like you or I and if you don't happen to have like the PowerPoint next to it, um, I, think it I think it means that you can trickle charge just like normal or because the, the unit's got an um, internal battery, you can use it sort of like a jump, a jump starter as well. Yeah, I saw this on someone's YouTube channel. Maybe it was Shimmy 150 or it could have been TGE. Uh, I remember they had TGE. It was one TGE. of them had it. I think Shimmy had one yeah. as well. I think he showed one. Um, right. So how? So it actually holds the charge, does it? You, you, what, you charge, the, you charge the actual CTEC unit up and it yes. holds the charge? Yes. Does it tell you, you how long it holds it, it the holds charge it for? It holds it for 12 months. Yeah, 12 months. Ah, I did see a video about this. This is the same one you sent me. I think that is a great yeah. product. It was on TGE actually. Yeah. yeah, so it holds that. So you can carry it in your car, and if you break down yes. in the middle of nowhere, there's no power. You have a power source. Um, yeah, so it's just like any other, because I've got a couple of those sort of, you know, like jump start packs. It's just a little lithium battery, um, which, you know, you kind of connect to your battery and then you just kind of get yourself going. It will work like that. It also claims that it's got some smart technology thing in. So if you do, if you if you kill your battery, you hook it up, you leave it there for 15 minutes, the CTEC will figure out how to kind of quickly charge your battery so it will then start within 15 minutes as well, um, which is slightly different from kind of jump-starting because you're obviously jump-starting off the battery pack. But then it's also kind of capable of being a trickle charger as well. That, that's my understanding of it. Look, I really like SeaTech products. I think they're that yeah. that one I've got that trickle charger, like you said. It's the you know the Porsche have the same brand of one, and I forget the number of it. M five something, isn't it? I can't Get remember them the number. Oh, that, that's such a good product, though. It it doesn't. I mean, touch wood. It doesn't fail. Yeah. You know, it's a really good product. It wasn't. They're not that expensive. And even the one you sent me, this new SeaTech CS free thing, it's not that. Yeah. Exp- I mean, in well, you know, it's not cheap but it's in a thing in Australia I think in Australia yeah. you found it on special for like under 400 Australian dollars but it's, it's 450 I think it's I know but it's worth it it's worth it you know yeah. what I mean it's a really good product I think it's a I, I mean I will get one I will definitely will get one not now because I don't need it now but I will get one yeah I just it just made me kind of um like I hate having an unreliable car like the times where um well nobody loves it but it it really kind of stresses me to kind of think that I can't I won't necessarily be able to start my car and that yeah. type of thing um, is obviously uh, possibly very worthwhile. And look, you know, if you're looking for a charger for your Porsche, like I know there's lots of brands out there, but I would, 
I mean, I like brands, you know what I mean? But I would go with the SeaTech yeah. one. I wouldn't look at any other brands for the charger. I know there's cheaper ones, and I know people have told me they've bought other brands, but I would, if you can do it, just get a SeaTech one. They're on, yep. seriously, they discount. I bought mine on discount, and I think I bought it from somewhere in Australia on discount, and I got it quite cheap at the time. I remember it was quite cheap. Uh, so. Actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a deal on, for the Aussies out there, there's a Repco deal. I saw it, it got um, fed to me on Instagram for like 90, I think it was $91. See, that's cheap. Get. That's very cheap. Yeah, so cheap. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really good. I, um, I paid more than that. I paid more than that, I think. Yeah. Um, hey, um, yep. Just sorry, while we're on the battery thing, I've got a public service announcement too. Oh, really? What's um, that? Um, if your battery goes flat, you can potentially get caught in this horrible kind of situation where um, because to get to your battery, which is under your front bonnet lid, um, which is electric, um, if you flatten your battery, you can't actually kind of use the little switch or your remote key to kind of pop your hood. So there's a few YouTube videos. It's in. It's actually in the kind of service manual, but my public service announcement is like if you kind of think that your battery is on the way out, don't let it go dead <laughs> um, because it is a bit of a ball ache to, um, to then have to get to the, the battery under the hood. Isn't um, the front release isn't the frunk release in the fuse box no um what's in so, the fuse box then i thought there was some release thing in the fuse box so what you have to do is you have to get like a battery or a jump jump starter there's a little um post in your fuse box that you've got to connect your battery to um you connect the positive post to this little thing in the fuse box that you have to pull out and then connect the negative post to um, your door hinge to ground it then once you've got that kind of going, then you can pop the hood. Pop the trunk, pop the frunk, wow. To then get to the battery. What a hassle. And if that doesn't work, then there's an emergency release. There's a there's a little cable that you have to get through through your wheel arch liner. Like this all sounds like, you know, like me being um, a bit kind of dr dramatic kind of thing, but um, it is an absolute pain in the butt when your battery goes flat and then you have to kind of go through the motions of all of this. Absolutely. Um, my uncle, my uncle and his 992, uh, 991.2, um, this happened to him like a month or two ago. And he said the same thing to me um, that he, his battery kind of went dead and he had to call the NRMA guy to kind of come out and help him figure it so out. So it's exactly it the same on every 911, even new generations. That's how you, that's yeah, the only way you can open the front. Well, that's annoying. Yeah. How did his battery go yeah. dead? So, uncle's battery goes dead so quickly. It's a new, quite, was it an uh, old battery? No. What year model is his car? It's more than, I think it's about four or five years old. Right, right. Yeah, anyway. Battery so talk. Yeah, my, my tip is not to let your battery go dead, dead flat because it can be a little bit painful. Good tip, good tip. Hey, I was just looking, um, and we'll just touch on this quickly because we're going to leave yeah. it a little bit short today. But um, yeah, sure. I was looking at, uh, why do I always forget this guy's name? Sam Moores, isn't it? Is that his name? Sam yep. Moores? Yep. Sam Moores, who has the Car Chat podcast. Um, yes. And I listened to a few of his episodes. I quite enjoy it. I don't listen to all yep. of them, but I listened to a few of them. And I noticed mm -hmm. he had a, for the listeners who haven't seen this, if you go to the market, which is the auction site in the UK, online auction site. That sponsors site. him. That also sponsors him, yeah. But that's also yep. the place where um, Ajmal, aka, aka at Flat Cap Driver, bought his 912 from. Um, Ajmal, I didn't, I didn't yep. know that. Okay. That's where Ajmal, if you go to the old listings, you'll see Ajmal's uh, 912 still on there, I think. I think it's on the previous listings. It goes back a bit now. 
Um, that's right. where he bought his 912 from. But I was looking, Steve, because, you know, you know, you said this thing about, you know, would you buy a Porsche at an online auction? Um, and mm-hmm. you know I'm a big fan of, like, kicking tires on, on online auction sites and looking at um, mm-hmm. Porsches on Bring a Trailer, uh, yeah. Porsches on P-Car Market, uh, Porsches on – what's the other site? Collecting not so cars. much the market. Not so much the market. Um, collecting, collecting, collecting cars, yeah. So I'm always yeah. – you know, <clears> I, <throat> I subscribe to all of them. I save cars on them. But I watch them purely, you know, not that I'm not going to get one, but at the moment I can't because this week's yeah. been a very expensive week. Um, but, you know, I think about Why, this Michael? online auction thing, Steve. Why and has I it just, been expensive? Huh? <laughs> why, Michael? Why has it been expensive? Because <laughs> I need to tell the time. That was why it was expensive. That was one of the reasons why. Um, so let's just go back. Let's just go back. I was just thinking yeah. about this because, you know, like I had a look at the result of Sam Moore's car and he had an F, he's got an F40 and he's got a blue yeah. F40. Um, it wasn't always blue. I think he had it sprayed, didn't he, Steve? He had it, yep. went through Ferrari's, you know, program. You know, he spent some money yep. on it. I got the impression when I heard him talking about this on a podcast, when he was talking to Magnus Walker on his podcast, that he possibly didn't spend top dollar for this car when he bought it. I think he's owned it for five no, years. It was five years. It was a Liberty Walk car. When he bought it, it had sort of been messed with by, you know, like that tuner company, Liberty Walk. So he bought it off them. It was their kind of SEMA right. show car type thing. And then he paid like this, um, the people that Ferrari used to kind of, um, to restore it back to kind of Ferrari spec. But then he had it painted, he specced it, you know, blue. Like, is it Tour de France blue? Tour de France blue, yeah, which is a beautiful color. I think it's Tour de France. Yeah. And he's got a really cool number plate. I mean, if you haven't seen it, have a look at his Instagram. Yeah. It's a great looking car and he's got heaps of videos. And like you said, he did it through the classic classic program, whatever it is Ferrari has, where he got it all documented, I think, um, you yeah. know, where they replace things for original parts and it's all, you know, certified by Ferrari. Um, I think he said the car originally was white, wasn't it? I think that Liberty yes. Walk when it was yeah. white, yeah. So he's changed yep. the car quite a lot. But it, it made me think because Steve Steve put on our notes, you know, would you buy a Porsche at auction? And I, and I would buy a Porsche on, on auction. Would you? Okay, controversial. Well, no, I would because bring a trailer and those sort of things are auction sites. So I, would I buy one from one of those sites? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have a problem at all. I don't have a problem at all. In fact, I, you know, I know bring a trailer now has become, you know, two years ago when I first discovered it. Um, mm. I thought it was really cool. I think now the prices on Bring a Trailer are obviously inflated. I think you have to be careful on auction sites because you can be very spontaneous. Like when Ajmal bought his, you know, car, his 912 <laughs> on yeah. a Saturday night yeah. off um, the market. Um, and I think, you know, when you're sitting around your flat at the end of the day and you've had a glass of wine and maybe you're depressed, maybe you're happy, and you see these cars come up and you think, hmm, it's tempting. If you registered, Steve, and you got a credit card on there, it's tempted not to bid, right? Yeah. You look at it and go... And I like what I like Fueled about the with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to get to the point. The point is, though, is yeah. that I like these auction sites, and I think they're good. I think they're good because you get to see the different values of cars. You know, everything becomes more transparent. I'm going to do yeah. a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast with um, Nick at the Classic Series and Ajmal yeah. at Flat Cap Driver um, in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Um, I've spoken to them briefly already about it through Messenger, through WhatsApp. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to do it. We're going to do a thing about that about the 912. Um, mm-hmm. Nick uh, does Nick at Classic Series does stuff for Haggerty now, so he does. He, you know, he writes about values, he researches values. Um, he also mm-hmm. writes for Classic, you know, about classic cars and stuff. Ajmal's got experience because mm-hmm. he's got his 912. Um, he also has a, a MG Ajmal, a classic car. You know, so mm-hmm. 
we're going to talk about the 912 anyway. That was the whole point of that episode. And I think it's going to be a good one because we're going to talk about values and all that. I'm getting a bit off track here. Um, and I think I would buy something like a Porsche on an online auction. But there's a limit to how much I would spend, Steve. Now, mm-hmm. maybe that's just for me because, you know, if we buy a car from Bring a Trailer, it's in the US, you've got to get it shipped to wherever you want it shipped to, right? I found this mm-hmm. auction of um, Sam Moore's Ferrari quite astounding because it's a million pound car. Like yep. it's sold for a million and fifty pounds, yep. um, which to me is just mind boggling that, and I don't know what, maybe the people who bought the car had viewed the car. Maybe they're in the UK. I don't know the true yeah. story. Maybe they've gone and viewed the car, Steve, and they've seen it. And that's why they felt confident to do it on the online auction. But, well, surely you would, wouldn't But what like, is the who's limit? Who's going to go and buy a million-dollar car sight unseen? A million pounds. A million pounds, yeah. you know, which is yeah. like 1.8 million Australian dollars. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and that so was one is, of the defining things of the market, apparently, like the cars get held in a, in a place and you can go and view it, whereas I'm assuming that in a lot of other instances, I don't think it's that you can't view it like in some online auctions, but um, I think it's sort of one of the things about the market. Okay, um, I'm probably testing my memory here. Ajmal went and yep. looked at, I'm sure Ajmal told me, a flak up driver told me that he went and looked at his 912. Ajmal, I know you're probably yeah, listening cool. and, and laughing at me, but I know he said he went and looked at it. But I think at the time he said he looked at it, but he didn't really get to drive it. He didn't get to look at it that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, maybe depending on the car and depending on the seller. Um, but I thought Ajmal told me that he didn't get to really look over it that well. You know I mean? Isn't that the same, like, old school, like, for Australians, like, um, the auction sites here used to be before, like, you know, these types of auctions were all the rage, like pickles auctions, say, um, which is sort of like, you know, where the dealers might potentially kind of go to um, wholesale cars. You can go and view the car as well, but you certainly can't drive it. I don't even you know if you can start it. it. You, no, can, you... you can take a mechanic with you who can visually inspect it, but you can't physically take it for a test you drive. You can check the records, right? Um, yeah. You know, Silverstone Auctions, when um, Harry does that, Harry's Garage, and he goes through Silverstone yep. Auctions things. Um, I think yep. the market is owned by Bonhams now, isn't it? I think Bonhams own market. Yeah. Um, yep. But you can go through it. You can go through the paperwork. He always says you can check it. You can look at them and stuff like that. But it's funny you say about yep. those old auctions. I remember when I was a kid, my auntie, my auntie and uncle used to always buy old government cars from auctions in Sydney like they lived in Sydney you know what I mean she was a real estate agent and they always were changing over the cars because they're continually buying them from auctions sometimes they get an an old American I think it was a Rambler or something I don't know what it was at the time they'd be buying all these old cars you know and switching them out and they're always ex-government cars fleet cars you know and I remember my dad was always against it like how could you buy a car at auction you know the dodgy you don't know what you're getting you know high mileage all this sort of stuff and it's kind of yep. weird how things have changed. And I guess it's the classic market. The strength of the classic market really has really made online auctions. And also everyone is so now so much more comfortable in buying online. And obviously COVID, I think, has helped. Well, are they? That's, that, I think that they was are. My, that was my kind of question because um, curiously for me, um, like Bring a Trailer has obviously been around in the US for a very long time collecting cars kind of followed suit in the UK and is now kind of going global as well. So it's now, um, you know, in the US and it's now in Australia. But from what I could kind of gather, like um, online auctions, there's a few kind of players in Australia, but the bits that I've kind of noticed is that it looks like um, the selling prices aren't as crazy, like for collecting cars Australia, 
um, versus, you know, like some of the kind of just crazy sort of prices for singers and GT3 tourings and all that sort of stuff that you kind of see where they kind of go off in the US or the UK. It doesn't seem like there's quite the same kind of hype in Australia and they don't go for the mental prices. So to me, I just kind of went, oh, that probably means that um, uh, Australians aren't quite into it yet and they're not quite as confident, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you told me that and I started noticing cars that weren't, they didn't seem to be selling, they weren't making reserve mm. or they were selling low. Um, not, not necessarily low, but just, you know, like some of the really kind of hyped prices, like, you know, a million, 50,000, um, a million, a million pound kind of uh, F40 or like the crazy kind of tourings and the million dollar singers and stuff like that. <sighs> Yeah, it, doesn't, it feels like anecdotally that you're not going to fetch that kind of price on Australian um, collecting cars. I think the problem is is that Australian and New Zealand and maybe people from Hong Kong even, mm. if they're looking at bring a trailer, I don't think people from that side of the world, from Asia Pacific East or whatever, would have any problems in buying a car off bring a trailer, right? I think, I think f- for us, because... We're limited, mm. especially in Australia and New Zealand, let's say, we're limited with the choice and bring a trailer gives us the global market, right? Yep. I think yep. with the US, when you're a US buyer, if you're looking at collecting cars and you see a car, one of the cars is in Great Britain or one of the, you know, you can see where they're located, one's in Sydney. Yep. I think, don't think those, those cars are getting, unless they're really super special, like a singer or something, Steve, I don't think they're getting yep. that market. You know, I don't think collecting cars, I think collecting cars has got a great model. But I don't think yeah. I think it's really hard to get that US market to get those US buyers to buy that nine eleven that's for sale that you sent me, the three point two Carrera G fifty, which is cheap yeah. from Australia. Yeah. When they've got so yeah. many options of bring a trailer and other options to buy. Um yeah. and the risk, you know what I mean? I just think that I think that's where it's not working. I think the other way around it works really, really well. Um I saw a really funny comment actually on collecting cars. There was a Ferrari that was for sale. <clears throat> That mm-hmm. Stephen in Sydney sent me and said I should look at this Ferrari. It's better than the Dino. I can't remember which model it was. Sorry, I can't. I can't mm-hmm. remember off the top of my head. And I was reading mm-hmm. the comments, and someone from America like just assumed, and this is no slight on this person, but someone from America just assumed that it was a left-hand drive conversion. Like this must be a left-hand drive conversion Ferrari because it's a right-hand drive. Mm-hmm. And the guy's going, no, it's an Australian delivered Ferrari. We had Australian, we had these Ferraris in Australia. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that's yep. the problem. I think it's an unknown market. The Australian car market is is too unknown. And I think this is why collecting cars, why the prices aren't showing those values, Steve, because it's it's too hard. You know what I mean? I think it's too hard for US, European buyers to buy from collecting cars or whatever it is because they have... Uh so much other more more choice and it's easier to buy it from the US for example slight counterpoint right so like if you were in the market for a um, call it a 964 not even something super special call it like a 964 um, Carrera 2 and you're in the UK you could potentially look at Australian cars because they're right hand drive as well um, you know, like I don't think the design rules between the two. So I don't think there's like a great deal of difference between a UK delivered car and Australian car. And if, if, if one came up on um, collecting cars Australia, 
uh, you could potentially pick up a bargain though, couldn't you? Because the price, like, because there's not as much competition um, here, if you really wanted it, you could potentially not have to kind of pay like these kind of crazy UK prices for it. But aren't UK prices less than Australian prices on 964s? I don't know. I thought... I I I thought that generally the collecting cars um, Aussie prices weren't as mental Less. as okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, thought, I, think, I thought. I think you know things like 3.2 Carreras and SCs. I think you'll find them if you buy one from um, mm. if you buy one from the UK. They're cheaper than Australia. Um, mm. Let's just go back to the Ferrari thing. Like a GT4 Dino is about sixty thousand mm. pounds for a reasonable one in in the UK from a reasonable Ferrari specialist. Yep, which is probably. A little bit high because by the time you get it in, it's going to be closer to 140, 135, 140, which is probably a bit high. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I just find it amazing. I, though, you, I just still find it amazing you can buy a car for a million dollars on online auction. It, with You have to view it. You could not buy it any other way. By the way, did you see that? Um, did you see on collecting yeah. cars that sold the Singer Qatar? I mean, we're doing a job for Qatar yeah. at the moment. The Qatar edition. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, bad. Yeah. It was actually quite an, I yeah. thought it was quite nice. Yeah. Nicely, uh, quite a nice spec. Oh, the interior was a tiny bit over the top for me, but um, I liked it. Yeah, like it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. The thing about online auctions, though, I'm I'm slightly surprised that you kind of went, yeah, yeah, like you definitely do it because I reckon I'd be on the other side of that and kind of go, yeah, I don't think so. Because like talk talk about Porsche, so you you're still going to be talking about a car like you know call it hundred grand or something like that, regardless of what type it is, blah blah blah. Um, and if you don't get to see the thing and you're taking a bit of a leap of faith, because really like an online auction, you are just, you're not really buying from collecting cars. Like they sort of say that they're vetting and stuff like that, but um, how much really, well, they're not going to, they're not really there to kind of cover you if you sort of manage to kind of pick up something that was um, slightly misrepresented or anything like that, right? Like yeah, you're really just dealing with the person that's sort of selling it. So yeah. it's not like you're kind of buying, you know, like a 20, 20 grand MX-5. Like if you're kind of buying a $100,000 911 of any sort um, and you don't really get to sort of see it for yourself, you get to ask like as many questions as you want for sure, but you don't get to sort of necessarily see it face-to-face. Potentially you probably don't get to drive it. Pretty big leap yeah. of faith. So I am... I'm quite surprised that um, that okay. there are that there are that many people out there that are happy to do it. Well, you don't get to see it, but you know, like like mm. you said, it's the strength of the community, and I guess Bring a Trailer still has the strongest out of all of them, right? Because it's been around yeah. for longer. The strength of the yeah. community, the strength of the people who are the trust in the people who are commenting, um, and putting in their two cents, so to speak, and saying this is wrong, this is right, this is great, this is not great. You know what I mean? So I, I guess you get, it's like opinions. I guess you have to see it like opinions from friends, even though they're not people that you know. I think, you Is know, when I say, when I, to that, though? Uh, when I say you can buy it on an online auction though, I still think you mm. need to, you know, you need, the seller still needs to be open to the fact that, you know, they can do a, they'll do a WhatsApp video call with you or they'll do a, yeah. you know, Skype video call with you certain, and walk you around the car and show you. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that side of it, you know, if they do that, obviously, if you have the opportunity and you can get a PPI, and I think some people have yeah. done this, I'm sure I've said it, saw it in the comments for 912s on um, Bring a Trailer that have sold. 
international right. people. I think you, you know, depending on the seller, Steve, if you can still organize those things remotely, yeah. I don't yeah. see that as a problem. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't really see that as a big problem. It's no different saying buying something from European collectibles or, you know, um, you know, any other sort of classic Porsche sort of dealer in the US. It's similar really in a way. Yeah, um, I, I know what you're saying. I, I think I also sort of slightly cynically think that the, I get what you're sort of saying about like the community kind of helps you to vet the cars and ask the right questions and stuff yeah. like that. But then similar to online forums, you know, like I think that also could be kind of counterproductive where people chime in with opinions that aren't necessarily that educated or, you know, grounded in pure fact, like, you know, like it's really easy. Like for example, when a car goes for sale on car sales and the PFA forum, you know, like kind of start talking about it and chattering and then sort of, look, I know everybody's just sort of talking. I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't believe there's any kind of malicious intent kind of involved, but you can sometimes start to read forums and sort of see people discussing a car and them start pretend like the opinions kind of bringing in a little bit of negativity or criticism about a car that might be unwarranted. So how do you kind of vet that from a, you know, like an online forum as well? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> if you buy a car off any online website, whether it be car sales, oh. auto trader in the UK, you know, um, whatever, whatever, the numerous sites in the US and if mm. you can't get to that place where that car is it's too far in a state or it's too far in another state in the US where it's you know miles to get there yep. isn't that the same as buying it from an online auction except you're only buying it from one seller you're only talking to them you don't you might miss things that other people pick up on an online auction where they're vetting it so to speak and they're commenting yes. so yep. maybe that that feedback is still better than just buying it from yep. a private seller. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a private seller, but you you know you sort of see the, yeah, the yeah. pros and cons, and, and there's some strength in that that you do have. It's more than one person. You're not just getting the seller's view; you're getting other people's views. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know so what you're saying. Yeah, I think that side of it's good. But for me, Steve, there's a limit. I would never, yeah. and I don't have the money, but I would never spend a million dollars on a car at an auction. I mean, unless you yes. actually had time with the car to see it, to drive it, to look at it. You know what I mean? Um, but when yeah. it gets like a, when it, if it's a classic Porsche, of course, there's a lot more 912s available <clears throat> in the US or in Europe, you yeah. know what I mean? More so in the US. Or there's a lot yeah. more, you know, uh, 3.2 Carreras or SCs, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And I still think there's bargains to be had. And I think, like I said, it depends on where you live in the world and, and, and what's at your doorstep, you know what I mean? And I think for people mm -hmm. in Australia, people in New Zealand, you know, it really does these auction sites and buying something online kind of makes sense to me yeah interesting um but i think it uh it really obviously is dependent on your appetite um for risk and all of that sort of stuff i i know exactly what you're sort of saying like how is it any different from me like buying my kind of gt3 from melbourne well yeah. the difference was obviously that i tapped into auto house who knew somebody in melbourne i kind of made all the kind of connections and had multiple people look at the thing for me um, who I actually kind of did trust, blah, blah, blah. Like if you can kind of go about that approach um, and a car's in the US, not Melbourne, then yeah, for sure. But um, like to, it's probably still kind of mitigating your risk by having 
you know, people that you vaguely kind of trust checking it for yeah. you. Yeah, and there's, there's always a risk, you know, <clears throat> Stuart that was on previous owner stories when he bought his um, 911 from, from the US, you know, he had a PPI done and then when he picks yes. a car, the, the car has an issue. He has to get it fixed in the US. I'm sure you heard that story, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. You know, so there's always a risk, you know what I mean? I mean, you could, I'm yep. sure you could get a PPI done, you know, for a car that's in Queensland and when it gets delivered, there could be an issue with it, you know what I mean? Of course, yep. Of course. So that those things happen. I mean, I've heard some horror stories, you know what I mean? Like there are, have been horror stories about people getting having PPIs done and then picking the car up or buying it from a dealer and then something really bad happening to the car. Mm. I don't know. I think for me it's it's a limit to the price. I wouldn't spend a lot of money. And like I said, for me it's just like classic cars and it would be, you know, classic Porsches and it would be, you know, <clears throat> that sort of um, – that sort of price like i wouldn't feel comfortable say buying something like a ferrari or something on an online auction mm. i'd have to see it and i'd have to have some kind of specialist check it out for some reason with the porsche i feel more maybe it's because you know more about the brand i feel more confident in saying yeah it's okay to buy that do you know what i mean yeah right interesting i don't know i don't think i can do it but i got no money i got no money <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that mate yeah all right Shall we call it a day? I think we'll call it a day. I'm we a bit shall. tired. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm starting to wind down. It's been a very, very long day. Yeah, all good. All good. So, yeah. So, what's the what's the final decision there? Would you buy a Porsche at an online auction, Steve? Yes or no? No, I would not. No, I would. I would within within reason. Like I said, it has to be no. not too expensive. And what's not too expensive? Nine twelve sort of prices, I think, for me. Like somewhere around mm-hmm. 60000 US maybe. I feel okay. Mm. That's still a hundred thousand Aussie, sixty, seventy thousand US. But it would need to be checked out. It would need to be, you know, I still have to feel confident. You know what I mean? I still have to feel confident yeah, in, yeah. in the sale. Yep. All right, mate. Let's I'm call it. I'm too poor to huh? take those sorts of risks, mate. I'm way well, too poor to take those sorts of risks. So I don't think I would. I guess I'm talking hypothetically. I wouldn't know. I know it's gets look. Stephen uh, in, in Sydney, who's been on Owner Stories before, who's getting the nine twelve hot rod done in Adelaide, right? Yep. Yep. He sent me that thing again the other day. I know you're listening, Stephen. He sent me the thing about that 912. The 912 Targa. There's a 912 Targa for sale in Western Australia. Anyone listening mm-hmm. in Australia who's got more money than me, I'd say buy it. This car mm-hmm. has been for sale for a long time. It's not perfect. It's in polo red. It's 55 grand, Steve, for a 912. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's matching numbers. I'm pretty sure it's not matching numbers. Yep. I think Stephen thought it was a bit high because it's not a matching numbers. But you know yep. what? Every time I look at that car and it comes up, I think that 912 at that price is a really, really good project car. Um, mm-hmm. And if you could get it for, say, 10 grand less, you know, you'd probably buy it, you'd tweak the engine that's not matching numbers, or you'd find a new engine, you know, you'd change the color, you'd paint it, you'd do the interior, John, a pro stitch, you'd get the color done in somewhere in Sydney at Atlas or the other guy's yep. place, and you'd just make it special you know put great seats yeah. in it and just make it special if you yeah. had the money because it's a great base price to start at do you know what i mean see i'm a little mm-hmm. bit disheartened can i just go back to prices for a second i just want to i'm going to try not to mention the company because i don't want to slight them and it's not a slight to them but i'm just i was a bit thrown by mm-hmm. this price there was a car for sale in the uk and mm-hmm. it's been for sale for some time it's a 912 um mm-hmm. and it was <clears throat> If I say the price, people might know where it is. But it was £55,000, say, right? Mm -hmm. £55,000. Now, that car went down in price. It was reduced by the dealer. Mm -hmm. It still didn't sell. 
Um, Nick at the Classic Series sends me 912s every now and again because he's got a 912. He's got his white one and he wants me to get mm-hmm. one. And people, people send me cars all the time. And he sure. sent me this car. And I thought, wow. He said, this is a really good one. And I kind of half looked at it because I was busy. And then I looked at it again later in the afternoon, Steve. And I thought, hang on, I know this car. This is the car that was at that dealer. Yep. The guy's got it for 42000 or best offer. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a car that was at 55000 <laughs> It went down yep. to below 50000 The yep. guy that's actually the owner who had it obviously on consignment or something at this dealer is now selling it for okay. forty-two. Yep. So what did it sell for? Forty. You know, like, I, I don't know. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Why is this? Why is it so? Why is there so much buffer in there? Why is there so much margin? Because a dealer needs to make margin. But like that much dealer, margin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a lot I of reckon. margin. Well, no, like, okay, so like, um, pretend you sell your car with anybody, like, you know, like you're not selling it privately. Um, the dealer, the dealer's obviously going to make their cut, and it's going to be, you know, sort of around say ten percent. Yeah, so minimum will be ten percent, right? So that's, you know, like a decent kind of whack. Then the advertised price that the dealer will kind of um, advertise it for generally, I'm just making really broad kind of broad strokers assumptions. They're probably going to sort of advertise it at a price higher than you might naturally would as a, as a private kind of seller because they're a dealer, they've got a reputation. People possibly might kind of pay more for the fact that they're dealing with a, a dealer because they've got to possibly put, you know, like a statutory kind of warranty on it, um, you know, like certain things. So like with buying a car from a dealership kind of comes like certain sort of privileges. You can trade a car in as another kind of thing. So a dealer price is always going to be higher or, you know, generally than what you would sort of sell it for. So doesn't that account for the difference in price? Yeah, I guess. But I guess what would surprise me is that it's on Facebook Marketplace, it's on Facebook ads. Yep. At the same time, yep. it's on the sale of the dealer and the dealer's price is so much more <laughs> than its price well, on Facebook ads. Like, isn't that a little bit silly to do it that way? Like it yes. doesn't – Yes. In fact, if I was a dealer – and I, re- I really like this dealer, right? I really like this yep. place, all right? I yep. think they're really cool. But if I was a dealer, I'd be going, well – haven't you kind of like screwed me a little bit, the owner, because yes. you've made oh, me look really bad because you've got it listed at this price. You know, yep. it's so obvious it's the same car. You can see the number plate and the interior is so yep. distinctive. I mean, it's a beautiful yep. 912, by the way. I, like, it kills me that I missed out on it because it's a really good one. Um, yeah. And then... Yes, undoubtedly, they botched the, yeah. the sort of so, marketing and the sales. Yeah, thing. why would the owner, the owner shouldn't have done that if he still got it at the dealer because then it looks really bad for the dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, and and the uh, description on the, and the description on the Facebook ad that Nick sent me has a lot more information about the whole service history. You know where it was serviced and all. It actually has a the description is much is much you know much more interesting. The whole way it's written It's like everything about the right. car because it's from the owner. So maybe I don't know. the owner's it's got the bit, shits with the dealer. I don't know. It's hard. I don't know. It's a bit weird. I thought it was a bit weird. Anyway, I just want to touch on that because we're talking about online auction and prices. So it's sort of like you know mm. same sort of thing. All right, Steve, let's call it a day. Okay, mate. Thanks, mate. Have a good week. Have a good week. Yeah, you too. All right, mate. Thank you. All right, everyone. Uh, That was Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool podcast, available everywhere. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.